everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad that you've joined us. That's right, Dr. Linda. It is the weekend, and we're happy to be with you here, of course. And if you had a bad week, we are definitely sorry, and we hope that next week is better for you. Or if you're struggling to, to feel good, we want you to know that we've all had days like this and that it can only get better. And I'm sincere when I say this, but Dr. Linda, do you see what I'm doing? It's a little different for you. It is, um, yeah. What are you doing? Oh, I'm demonstrating a powerful skill. It's called empathy because that's the topic of our show today, the science of empathy. Well, I like that you're being empathetic to our listeners. That's very nice. That's right. And I'm sure there are a lot of people listening, Chris, who have had terrible weeks. Right. Maybe weeks and weeks and months. Maybe they're having a terrible year, right? Mm. And so I'm sure that they appreciate what you do. And I'm wondering how they're feeling when they hear that, because that's one of the things we want to focus on today, right. how people feel when they hear an empathetic statement. You know, we certainly have a lot of social distress in our culture. And I think empathy is so needed today, probably more than in years past. Right. And I really worry that we're becoming more self-centered and we're losing our ability to be empathetic. People seem to be so capable of being cruel and unkind. And uh, we live in a time when we hear lots of criticism, insults, bullying, and other behaviors that are often fueled uh, by social media. I know. It seems like our culture is just getting toxic, doesn't it? Mm, it does. And we, we want to find ways to counter that toxic behavior. We don't want to join in with it. No. I think what we're seeing is a lot of people just sort of join in with the insults and the bullying. But I can't think of a better way than encouraging people to be more empathetic as a way to kind of, you know, maybe counter all this toxicity that we're seeing and hearing. So what would happen if those negative and critical voices in our culture would shift and begin to put other people first, maybe to share in their pain and understand their perspectives. Well, we would have a revolution. Yeah, we would. <laughs> <laughs> Encouraging people to be more empathetic could really change things. I do think it would. It's considered one of the building blocks of morality. Have you ever thought of it that way? No. The do unto others idea of treating others the way you would like them to be treated is a great goal for our society. It should sound familiar to a lot of people listening to our program as well. That's right. So give us a, a definition of empathy and tell us how it's different than sympathy. So that's great because that's a good distinction. So empathy is the ability to sense other people's emotions mm -hmm. coupled with their ability to imagine what someone else might be thinking or feeling. It's, it's really just putting yourself in the shoes of someone else. Whereas sympathy is feeling compassion, sorrow, or pity for the hardships that another person encounters, while empathy is really putting yourself in their shoes. So if I were to tell you that I realize the drive to the new studio is more of a problem now than it used to be for you, Dr. Linda. Uh, I would be showing you empathy. That's right, and thank you for saying that because <laughs> the listeners don't know, but we moved the studio and it's a little bit farther for me to come. But That's right. that would be a great empathetic statement to just say, hey, I realize it's a problem. Is empathy always a good or helpful thing? It's positive. It certainly is positive because it attunes us to another person's inner personal life and their emotional life. And it certainly makes you feel cared for when you hear a statement like that. So it's a little thing. If you really did say to me the first moment I walked into the new studio, mm -hmm. if you had said to me, hey, I know the drive is long. I'm really glad you did it. Right. I would have felt so much better about you as the morning started. <laughs> so that's been the problem. <laughs> yeah. So I, we're teasing a little bit, but I want to say that because the power of that 
is so important and it doesn't take a lot. And if you think about using this mm-hmm. in your relationships, but also maybe in your workday. So maybe you're a salesperson and you give a few empathetic statements. Right. It could really go far. Well, isn't there a downside as well? I know some people who are very empathetic, but they carry it with them. And it weighs them down a lot. Yeah, yeah. So you can get so tuned into another person's problems that you can actually develop and sort of a, a problem managing your own emotions mm-hmm. because you're so into their space of how distressed they are. And you can get a little bit exhausted by that. So this is one of the things, Chris, we're real concerned about with first responders. Mm-hmm. And a lot of medical professionals, they, right. they get to a point where they get burned out if they take on too much. So they have to learn to detach a little bit when they're in that position. Well, you've had to learn that fine balance between having empathy and not getting overwhelmed by uh, people's problems. As a therapist who listens to people's problems day in and day out, uh, do you have to balance between empathy and becoming overwhelmed? You know, you really do have to balance that. Sometimes I'll be in a situation with a family, for instance, where maybe somebody committed suicide and you're just mm. sitting with their pain and it's it's very intense and it's very deep. And if I don't learn to detach a little bit, now I never want to get to the point where I don't feel empathetic towards the people, but if you don't do it to some degree, you can really get burned out and you can get overwhelmed just like anybody else. I have a feeling you're going to say this is a great question. Is there more than one type of empathy? Ah, I am going to say that's a good question because <laughs> there actually are two types. And it might be important to make that distinction. So there's something called affective empathy. Mm-hmm. And that's when you feel or you share in some other person's emotions. So it's sometimes called emotional empathy. And then there's something called cognitive empathy, which is when you recognize, you understand someone else's perspective. So a little bit more in your head, it's the the ability to know how the other person feels and what they might be thinking. We call that perspective taking. Mm -hmm. So you can take the perspective of another person. And that's a great skill when you're trying to deal with people in negotiations or you're trying to motivate people. If you're a manager, It's really great because you want to be able to take the perspective of the people that are working for you and understand where they're coming from. But you can break it down and uh, show empathy in eight different ways. We'll go through those. You can know another person's thoughts and feelings, so Mm -hmm. you can listen. You can know what it is. You can imagine how somebody might feel. I don't know necessarily how somebody who dealt with the Boston Marathon. I've never been in Mm. that situation, but I could just imagine how scary that would be. You can sort of adopt the posture of another person. You can feel something that somebody else feels. Maybe you've identified with their situation and you know what it feels like. You can just imagine how somebody could feel in another place or another time. Mm. Uh, You can feel distress when somebody's suffering. And you can feel for another person's suffering by having compassion on them. And you can sort of think, What would I be like in that situation? So there's lots of ways to think and to feel empathetic, even if you've never really experienced the situation the person's going through. We do see empathy when there is a natural disaster, like a hurricane or in in times of uh, like Sandy Hook, when that shooting happened, or the Boston Marathon, like you mentioned. People pour out and they pray and they help. And you see a different side. It's a helping and, and caring side of folks. But other things like famine, for example, around the world, don't seem to get as much of a, re- of a reaction. Why is that? Isn't that interesting? It is. You do see the good side of people when there's disasters. Mm-hmm. This is because we tend to be more empathetic to things we can identify with. Mm-hmm. Anybody can identify with their grade school child saying goodbye to them in the morning and having something horrific, right. like a shooting happen. Every parent was going, oh, 
when yeah. that happened, right? Right. So we can identify. So it's those things that we can identify with that we seem to be more in tune with. The thing is, we see bullies and people who seem to be callous to the feelings of others, like like the shooters we talked about, mm-hmm. and people who want to hurt others. If you don't have empathy, it causes problems. It really does. Can empathy be learned? Are some people just born with a brain that's more sensitive to others? Actually, there is a lot of science behind empathy. We're going to talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about that in the next segment. But be assured that people can work on being more empathetic. The brain can actually learn it. Our brains have the capacity to adapt and to learn. So there are techniques that you can develop with people and make them more empathetic. Well, we certainly want to help people live more in line with biblical principles because we know that being kind, empathetic, and loving to others builds a better world. So let's find out how to do that. More when we come back on the science of empathy. Hey, I know it's hard to believe, but the holiday season is just around the corner. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor. And can I just say that some relationships can be really stressed during the holiday season? You know, it's not too early to think and pray about what you want the holidays to look like this year. Here are a few quick points to ponder. Set a budget. You do yourself a great service when you decide in advance how much you'll spend and how. Discuss your plans with friends and family. If you wait too long, you may find yourself overcommitted or someone's feelings are hurt because you don't show up where you're expected. Talking about it now takes away a lot of the tension that can come up later. And focus on why we celebrate. Try being thankful for the whole month of November and begin now to acknowledge the significance of Jesus' birth in your life. You don't want to wait until December 25th to celebrate Him. With a little planning and a lot of prayer, you can enjoy the holidays instead of stressing through the season. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. And just a reminder that you can follow Dr. Linda on social media, on Twitter, at Dr. Linda Mental, and Facebook, Dr. Linda Mental, author and speaker, and on Instagram, you guessed it, at Dr. Linda Mental. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Trying to make it easy for people, That's Chris. Right. <laughs> social media is a great way to keep up with Dr. Linda's speaking and writing on relationships. So, Dr. Linda, we know empathy is important to healthy relationships and that it can be learned, like we said right before the break. So talk about the science involved in empathy and how it involves our brain. So there are these special group of brain cells that are responsible for compassion. Did you know that? Did not know there that. There are brain cells wow. that are they're doing that. They're, these cells enable everyone to mirror emotions. So sometimes mm-hmm. people have heard the term mirror, mirror um, neurons. Mirror, that's hard to say. Mirror neurons. It's yeah. hard to say. Say that three times real fast. But the, these are the, the neurons in your brain that really help you share another person's pain, mm-hmm. their joy, their fear. So there actually are parts of our brain that get activated when we're dealing with compassion and empathy. In a study that was published in 2013, researchers found that the tendency to be more egocentric, that mm-hmm. just means when you're focusing on yourself, that that's kind of the way we're wired. So we have to get out of that. But there is a part of your brain that recognizes that and goes, oops, no, yeah. be more empathetic and autocorrect. Hmm. So your brain actually helps you with that. But when certain brain regions don't function right, or when we have to make particularly quick decisions, Mm. researchers have found that one's ability for empathy is dramatically reduced. So that's why people make quick decisions and they're not thinking through the consequences. But I think it's really interesting. Here's another really interesting part of this, Chris. When you are in an agreeable and comfortable situation, you're Mm -hmm. very agreeable with the people around you, you're feeling really comfortable it's much more difficult to empathize with another person's suffering. 
So think about Americans. We're pretty comfortable, aren't we? We are. I don't think yes. we're very agreeable, so we, we don't <laughs> we don't do well on that. But at a neurobiological level, your brain has a tough time putting itself in someone else's shoes when mm. you're agreeable and comfortable. You know, this is interesting because according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the wealthiest 20% of Americans, those that are very comfortable, give significantly less to charity, 1.4%. Wow. Well, then the poorest 20%, do three and a half percent. So what's going on there? So what you're saying is really wealthy people give only 1.4 percent and the poor give 3.5. So yes. they give a whole lot more. Right. Yeah. Think about it. We just talked about comfortable mm-hmm. and agreeable. So being wealthy often insulates people from seeing the need. Wealthy people usually hang out with other wealthy people, don't they? Mm-hmm. I don't know any of those people. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I hear anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's what we hear, right? <laughs> but a lot of times wealth, now we're not saying this about everybody because there mm-hmm. are certainly a lot of wealthy people who give to charities and to help people. But there's a tendency with wealth to turn inward and you know, just to socialize in certain circles and get away from really being exposed to the needs of others. So what this means, Chris, is that it takes intention to get people thinking about needs and expose them to people who need help, who might be suffering, who are really going through difficult times. Mm-hmm. And the way you do that is to do service and to visit poor areas and to see the need. And all of that, when you do that, starts to build empathy. So when people, for example, do mission trips and serve in their communities, they're being exposed to the need. And uh, once you see the need, it activates the brain to be more compassionate. Oh, you were paying attention. That's, that's a right. good. That's yes. good. You did good on the science <laughs> lesson. That's exactly what happens. So think about this. If you see a story where there's an uplifting, there's a redemptive mm. focus about it, where there's sacrifice involved, that boosts empathy in people. So think about some of the movies you've seen. Right. And you've come out of there and you feel, I really understood that person's pain. I saw how they dealt with it. I'm feeling you know, a certain empathy towards those, those people, as does if you do some contemplative kind of practices. So prayer gives you empathy. So isn't that interesting that God wired our brains, that prayer makes us more aware of other people and certain types of meditation. If we're praying about the poor and about the needs, I'm just thinking as we're talking about this, how much this is all interwoven with the Mm. church and what the church purposes are. Well, what are the ways that we show empathy? Because we want to teach our children and other adults basically to have more of it. So I think really challenging yourself Mm -hmm. to think about what's going on with other people and get out of your usual environment and go to a neighborhood that you've never been to, go to uh, a soup kitchen or someplace Mm -hmm. that you've never been, get feedback from other people, explore their heart and not just, you know, talk to them on superficial levels, actually walk in their shoes. You can really need to look at your biases. And I'm just thinking about all the nasty talk in the culture. And if we're not able to listen to another person's perspective civilly, and have a discourse over the way other people see things and the way they have different perspectives. I'm thinking especially, Chris, it just came to my heart about the police and the people that have been victimized and sometimes Mm. by the police. I mean, so much more dialogue needs to take place so we can we can cultivate some idea of what the other person is feeling and we can ask better questions and be more prepared. And I also think it really helps to just listen and have conversations with people who aren't like you. Right. Our church does a thing where they go out to another church that's in a poor area of town. And the more we interact with people, 
Do you think that really helps people with empathy? Have oh, you ever I done any so. of those outreaches or gone to any of those? We did a few of those. And yeah. It's neat to see other people and how they live and work and act and what they feel. Because like we said earlier, then you can begin to think the way they do. I used to take my kids downtown Chicago when we lived in Chicago. And our kids were, you know, sort of, they weren't exposed to what they saw on the L. We took the L, yeah. which is, you know, public transportation. And they would see homeless people and people and they would ask me questions. And I would say... You know, this is a person who's having a really hard time in life. We don't know their story. Mm -hmm. And I used to use that as a teaching moment. I think another thing is to just not be judgmental because you don't know their story and you don't know what got them there. And really start paying attention to when you're talking, how are the people responding and cue into that and look at what they're doing in terms of, are they in tune with you? Are you getting at their heart when you're talking to somebody? Mm-hmm. And make sure you actually understand the issue. So I think a lot of times we just react to things and we don't take the time to be curious and to really understand what other people are saying. So to really sum it all up uh, in this segment, I think what we're saying is that you can train and you can work with people to become more empathetic by being more mindful, by looking at your daily choices, by volunteering by being made aware of and practicing new ways to think. All of this is a part of it, and you can rewire your brain with a lot of intention in this area. That's the most interesting part of this program so far, is how you can actually learn and train yourself to be more empathetic. And like we said, we need a lot more of that in our society today. That's the topic of today's program, empathy. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about how empathy and faith are interwoven here on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Is every spare minute of your life filled with some activity, event, or demand? If so, you could be suffering from a very common American disease. It's called overcommitment, and it has seeped into every area of our lives. I'm Dr. Linda, the relationship doctor, and yes, I'll admit it, I've fallen prey to overcommitment in my life, just like I imagine you have. Saying no occasionally is the best defense against overcommitment. But if it's too late and you're already overcommitted, here's a little tip to help you make it through. In the busiest days, you can still stop and take five just for yourself. When your heart is racing and your thoughts are whirling inside your head, your effectiveness really plummets. But if you'll pause right in the middle of all the hubbub, maybe close your eyes, breathe deeply, and remind yourself that the current task will be completed, you'll feel an immediate sense of relief. Then you can head back into the job at hand with renewed focus and energy. And when the next chance to overcommit comes your way, you can work on your priorities by just saying no. Are you a mom or a dad trying to do your best to raise a healthy weight child in an unhealthy eating culture? Do you often struggle with how to respond when your child asks if she is fat or if he needs to lose weight? Do you wonder what is normal and how do I best impact my child and his or her eating habits? Well, hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mental, and my book, Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World, teaches parents how to raise healthy kids in an overscheduled, fast food, video game world by making simple choices, easy changes, and instilling good habits that will improve everyone's life today and forever. Winner of the Mom's Choice Award, Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World, will give you this confidence, the confidence you need to take charge of your child's eating and raise a healthy weight child. Raising Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World. Available on Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. And available online where books are sold. 
You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and don't forget to check out Dr. Linda's blogs and books at her website, drlindamental.com. Today we're talking about the science of empathy and a number of practical steps to take in order to build empathy. But empathy is really a spiritual principle, and God has empathy for us and sent his son to die for us. Jesus did walk in our shoes. He was fully man and fully God. Dr. Linda, here's a quote from Atticus Finch in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. He said, you never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view, until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. Well, you know, we had someone who climbed into our skin and walked around in it, and that was Jesus. That's right. And so if we look at the scripture from Hebrews 4.15, it says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hmm. Here's another part of Hebrews that really brings that home, and it says, For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Isn't that great, Chris? That is good. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you wonder, you go, he was fully God and fully man. Right. I always have trouble wondering, like, which parts of that were operating. Was it operating all at the same time? You're thinking he's living the same type of mm-hmm. life that we lived as humans, and yet he's still God. Right. It's one of those things that we, do, we just don't understand. And we're not Jesus, but we can comfort others. I'm glad you said that because I was hoping you wouldn't be delusional and think you were Jesus. <laughs> no, far, far from it. <laughs> That's right. So we, we can. We can comfort other mm-hmm. people, and we really do need to comfort other people. And in fact, Second Corinthians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And, you know, the science on how to use empathy really supports that. So not only do we get better, not only do our brains get healthier when we use empathy, but we're also modeling what Christ did. And that's one of the reasons why it's so helpful, because when we follow biblical principles and we do comfort others with the comfort that Jesus has given us, and we use our pain to help other people, it's just so interesting that science backs that up right. and says, wow, something good happens in your brain. Well, guess what? God created our brains mm-hmm. and he designed us. So he knows what works, right? He knows what what he tells us to do is going to make us flourish if we're obedient to his word. So I think that if you, you are thinking about this and you're saying, what's the spiritual tie-in? Well, comforting others can also help us deal with our own struggles. Focusing on other people's problems improves our own mood. Have you ever done that? It does. It makes you uh, put things into perspective better. You know, there have been times when I'm just really focused on some silly problem at work. Mm-hmm. And I might go down the hall and there might be a student who's in need and I, I go and I help that student and immediately right. my mood's improved. Getting um, other people's outside perspectives, looking at how you can help people and benefit them, getting out of our own heads and serving really is one of the keys to all of this. So really then, one of the calls of Christ himself is that we stand with others as if we were in their place. That's right. And in our last few minutes, let's get very specific on how to strengthen our own empathy. I thought this would be a good way to end, Chris, because I think a lot of times we don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. The first one is when you're trying to acknowledge someone's pain. So let's just go through a few ideas in our own head about what we might say. 
I would say, just first of all, I'm really sorry you're going through mm. this. Right. That's how you started the show. Yes, right? You right. tell people that you were just sorry they were having a bad day. That's You're it. acknowledging their pain. And you can do that as well by saying something like, you know, wow, that just really stinks. Yeah, and people yeah. can relate to that, right? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. how about, I just hate that that happened. You could also say, that must be hard. Or that really is challenging. So again, really easy, simple statements, acknowledging their pain. Now, how about if you wanted just to share how you feel? You know, somebody's telling you something bad. It's really tough for them, and you just want to share your feeling with them. You don't want to fix the problem, right? You don't Mm -hmm. want to do that. You just want to share your feeling. You could say something like, wow, I don't really know what to say. How does that one help? Because I've heard if you don't try to say too much and just admit that, hey, look, I don't know what to say here. That is a helpful statement. Yeah, it is because it's better than saying, I know just how you feel because people just, ooh, they just get like, no, you don't. You've never Mm. been through this. So when you're dealing with something you've never experienced in your life and you say, wow, it sounds really tough. I just don't even know what to say. Right. It's genuine. It's authentic. It sounds a lot like this one. I can't imagine what you must be going through. Yeah, I'd rather have somebody say that who's never experienced it than I know what you're feeling or I wish it could make it better or my heart hurts for you. It really makes me sad to hear that this happened. There you go. be honest about it. Yeah, Yeah, it makes me sad. All right, so let's show gratitude to the person for sharing. So somebody is is being vulnerable, they're telling you something, an empathetic statement would be, oh, thanks so much for sharing. I'm Mm -hmm. really glad you told me that. Thanks for opening up to me. Or let's do one about showing interest in the person. So you can really show an interest when somebody's struggling by saying something like, you know, how are you feeling about everything? Or what's that been like for you? Mm -hmm. And you could really dive into try to understand what they're thinking and say, hey, I want to make sure I understand. Well, that would be great in marriage. Yeah, That'd really. be a good one for marriage. <laughs> be encouraging. So you can also say empathetic statements like, you're brave, you're mm-hmm. strong, you matter. I'm in your corner. How about I love you? Ooh. That would be a great one. That or I'm proud be. of you. Mm-hmm. You know, And then being supportive. I'm here for you. How can I help? What do you need me to do? I would like to do something for you. What can yeah. I do for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how willing are we to feel the pain of others and stretch out our perspectives that are not only uncomfortable at times, but unfamiliar? Do we listen to God? Do we see the difficulty that's all around us? You know, Nehemiah listened to God and to others. When he first heard of the destruction of Jerusalem and the plight of the survivors, he sat down, he wept, he mourned for days. He began to fast. He began to pray before God. And he later went to Jerusalem to talk with the people and led them to rebuild the walls of the city. But he didn't start there. He started with empathy. Right. So isn't that, it's an interesting story for empathy. So our bottom line to you today in the show is the more empathy we have, the more we can break down the enmity that we see that is so pervasive in our culture. So practice empathy. Rewire your brain to a more compassionate state. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer, Normental, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes this show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're here, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. 
Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.